Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. All right, welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am your host, Larry Vincent, and uh, with me today as we continue our series uh, this season on the unchurched and and de-churched uh, of our community, why they you know why they don't go to church and what's the reasons and what can we as a church learn from that. Uh, I have one of my closest uh, friends, uh, Nick Duncan. Say hello, Nick. Hello, Nick. Oh, jeez, that was a bad dad joke, man. We're gonna, we're just gonna start this out right, aren't we? Oh, just the. Did you expect anything less? You know, I I I thought maybe some maturity, um, some. <laughs> See, and there you go. You you started wrong just by thinking. Ow. Ow, man, that's a pot shot, dude. But I'll take it. I'll take it. I expect nothing less from a Marine who can't uh, think of actual intellectual insults. Now, see, there, there you go thinking again because you called me a Marine. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, never mind. Why don't you tell everybody for the audience's sake? Okay, so just He was a, little, a CB, not a Marine. A little background. I was a United States CB for 12 years. <sighs> that's in. That's with the United States Navy for those that aren't familiar with military branches. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I knew that. It's just I have a lot of Marine friends. You know, I help a lot of people out, you know. So you're you're just like another charity case. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I think we start this podcast off well, Nick. Um, uh, now I know why Nick doesn't go to church anymore. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Nick... Well, before we get started, one of our many traditions, uh, really our only tradition, on the podcast uh, is uh, called The First Sip. And and it seems like every time I do this podcast, you know, this is my third season doing the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Coffee and Conversation, right? Very, everybody brings their own drink. Nobody drinks coffee! Well, I drink coffee, but it's... I don't do it in the middle of the day. You're drinking the equivalent of three cups of coffee right now. Please tell everybody the drink that you have in your hand currently. I have a uh, oh a one liter Mountain Dew. A liter of Mountain Dew. Okay, but to be fair, I've been working on this liter of Mountain Dew for the past two hours. Yeah, okay. But Whereas you'll drink... That whole French press in the matter of 40 minutes. That is not true. I will drink that French press in a matter of 45 minutes. And so it goes a little longer. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's do our first sip. You of your Mountain Dew. The Dew of the Mountain. That tastes nothing like water. And, and my magic bean water. Mm. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. I uh, love it. Our unofficial sponsor of Hoosier Warrior Coffee, uh, good friends of mine, Alan and Courtney Driver, uh, uh, have uh, yet another good cup of coffee in front of me. So, pretty excited. Pretty excited. All right. So let's let's get into actual topics because we're not here to talk about my coffee choices. Um, the one thing, Nick, uh, that I, I I would love for our listeners to hear from you. It's a little bit of your background, family background, you know, whatever you're comfortable with sharing, obviously. Um, 
but you know, uh, and your church experience growing up. Now, this will be before you and I met. Okay. Okay. So we'll get to that one next. But let's hit your early childhood memories of of church. Okay. So a little weird understanding about my my early childhood church life. My mother is a devout, semi-practicing Catholic, has been her whole life, mm-hmm. and my biological father was Baptist, which is why my mother, for some strange reason, sent me to a Baptist church, and it was back in the day when school buses would roll around and pick kids up on Sunday and take them to church. Looking back on it now, it looks like this, like the perfect setup for a... Um, Mass pedophile. Although that you see, yeah, okay, you say that, but churches still do that today, uh, and churches have. I mean, because you know, and and I'm not so quickly on this podcast to defend things, and I, and but I, for the listeners' benefit, because I know you, right? Uh, I know that churches who do those kind of things do extensive background checks, right? Uh, and right, make right, sure right. That, but, that you know, to the best of their ability, that that stuff's not going to happen. But it is a reality within the larger church, and we get that, right? But yeah. what I mean by that, with that comment, is um, the neighborhood and the environment in mm. where we were living at, yeah, at the time. Um, That's fair. And that's fair, but it just needed some context to it, right. perhaps. Yeah. Um, I had attended that church until I was probably five years old, maybe six, and at the age of at the age of five or six, I was asked to never come back. Dang, man, what happened? Um, our Sunday school teacher—I remember this very clearly. Our Sunday school teacher was sick that Sunday, so the head pastor of the church come in, and it was. Teaching us the, the 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 I call it the Jesus loves me and the Noah's Ark. Okay. Basics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I raised my hand in the middle of the class. I mean, you were five, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I raised my hand in the middle of the class. And another little background tidbit about this church is is we were supposed to memorize whole passages out of whatever books we wanted. Okay. And um, that'll come up a little bit later in this story. I raised my hand and asked the pastor, I was like, when are you going to teach, us some, teach me something new? Okay. I don't see anything wrong with that question. Well, he thought I was being insubordinate and was like, okay, well, recite whatever passage you've got memorized. I recited the first book or the first chapter of Revelations. Okay. All right. Yeah, a little dark. A little dark. No, my, my, my hesitation, the podcast audience can't see it, was because it's Revelation singular, not plural, and that's a pet, theological pet peeve of mine. Uh, I was trying to hide it for the podcast audience so they wouldn't see how OCD I was about certain things. But thank you, Nick, for pulling out my uh, you know, idiosyncrasies uh, to the entire podcast world. It is Revelation. Okay, first book of Revelation. There's, it's the only book of Revelation, but you mean the first chapter. First chapter. Re- yes. So, anyway, um, I digress. Continue. <laughs> and then I proceeded to look at him and said, so you're going to teach me something new yet? Yeah. And he sent me home with a letter to my mother stating that I was never allowed back at that church. Now, you can, you can, you can understand, um, you know, being a, being a pastor now for 18 years, um, that 
that that that like my brain triggers there had to be something more i i'm were you, okay and so, i'm not putting the blame on you no, per no, se no, no, but no, that no. seems like a very quick like i mean that pastor's either really immature right and to a degree he probably was because you know for for what he said but uh he was either really immature or this had been, this had been building over time and you know he was like yeah we're done no as far as i can remember yeah yeah, yeah. i never really yeah, but regardless, did anything, but it was again not to not to knock any particular faith or denomination sure, or anything yeah, yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But it was the early '80s. It was a Southern Baptist church so they in didn't, Florida. They didn't take crap from anybody. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, look, I mean, and regardless, the fact that it's a five-year-old. You're supposed to show a little bit more patience for five-year-olds or six-year-olds even for kids than yes. we show because kids are immature. Like, you know, I got six of them. Not one of them is mature. Like, I get that. Neither are you, but well, we're not going yeah, there. Whatever, man. I, <laughs> that is neither here nor there. They have to get it from somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. So. But, no. It, and so, and everybody I've ever talked to, you're not the only pastor I've talked to about this right, and everything right. else like that. They, they was like, wow, that was a little harsh. That was a little extreme. It is. Yeah. And everybody understands that from pretty much the age of five or six to 30-something, I avoided churches. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I went occasionally, but actually to try to be a member of or anything. So you went occasionally. Let's Let's talk about that for a moment, right? Uh, because, uh, you know, what was those, were, were, did those experiences reinforce that, that, uh, you know, that traumatic moment as a six-year-old or, or was it just, you just lost interest at all, you know, and, and at that point? So pretty much from like six to 14, I didn't, yeah, I just didn't go. Um, uh, my life was not turbulent, but it wasn't set. Sure. Okay. Um, we moved a lot. Matter of fact, by the time I was ten, I had made ten cross country trips, coast to coast. Okay. Yeah. Um. And then at fourteen, I just got interested in religion, not any particular religion, but religion. Mm-hmm. And I started just going to different churches to see what they were teaching. So when you say different churches, are we talking different denominations within yes. Christianity? Yes. Okay. And not not just Christianity. Okay, so you went to, like, uh, temples and... Uh, so, I started off with, um, well, basic Christians, Catholic, Protestants, well, yeah. non-denominational Christians. Well, every, okay, so Protestant means non-Catholic. So, you mean uh, maybe Presbyterian? Uh, no, no, I yeah. went to... Because non-denominational and Protestant is basically the same thing. Okay. Yeah. It said Protestant church on it. Oh, it did, really? Hmm. Yeah. Okay, fair. Pacific Northwest. We're weird out there. Ain't that the truth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then um, had some conversations with a Buddhist priest. Okay. Had, had some conversations with a shaman. Mm-hmm. Had a very short conversation with a member of the Jewish faith. Okay. Um, attended a Mormon church for a little while. Okay. Um, 
And this was all before the age of 18. Okay. And, and what did those experiences... And a Jehovah, and the Jehovah's Witness. Okay. To, to, I don't know, the Kingdom Hall. Yeah, Kingdom Hall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What did those um, experiences either teach you or reinforce? So, overall, one of the, like, just overall, just trying to, like, see where everybody differed and what was same and, and whatnot, I, I learned that most faiths, even those not Christian, mm-hmm. were teaching just, just be a good person. Yeah. Um but on and maybe I might have had different experiences if I was in a sm- larger city. Mm-hmm. But most of the churches I went to were very um not inclusive. So exclusive. Very exclusive. Okay. Um and explain not, explain that a little bit. So not not exclusive in the fact that you know um, it's a hard to get ticket. Yeah. Um, but exclusive in the fact that if your mom wasn't a member and if your dad wasn't a member and if your grandfather wasn't a member, yeah, you're just a guest. So so it's clickish. Super. So so you know, and, and this is a problem that churches have all the time because churches are supposed to be intimate. Very family oriented, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and people consider themselves brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and in oftentimes cases, and, and and a lot of times it's in the smaller churches, uh, only because of the that that number is where intimacy comes from, right? Mm-hmm. That small number, um, and and that's really a great benefit of the church is the smaller churches offer that intimate family type um, uh, culture. But the problem is, is when somebody from the outside, quote unquote, comes inside the church, uh, that they, uh, it's hard for them to get welcomed into the fold. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll be treated like a guest. They'll be friendly. Like we hear it all the time, you know, at different, I, I've been in a number of churches and I've heard it at different churches all over the place. This is a friendly church. It's a friendly church. It's a friendly church. It's a friendly church. Right. But then they don't stay. Why? Well, because they, they can't get connected right so do you think that this is that that was your experience in uh you know in those it, it was my experience in in those churches when i was younger uh-huh. and then um i was a non-practicing christian for a good portion of my young adult and adult life yeah oh, matter of fact i didn't even claim to be christian for a good portion of the, of that time yeah. period um, and then, you know, like, you know, my story, I just woke up one day and decided to, to come to church. Yeah. Now, before we get to that, I still have some more questions about previous to this. And, okay. And I want to make sure that we hit this because you offer some unique perspectives, right? Um, you know, so you get out of high school and you go into the Navy, mm-hmm. make sure I say it right this time you get out into, you go into the Navy, um, did you experience church uh, at all uh, while you were over there? And and if not, how was your experience with the chaplains? Okay, so while I was in active duty military, I was um, I was a practicing witch. Okay, and like Wiccan or witch? I don't know if there's a difference between. I personally don't know what the difference is. So, um. 
Like you're a pastor? Yes. And you're a Christian. So it's... So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It's kind of... It's kind of interchangeable, but it's also... Okay, not. that's that's fair. That's fair. Okay, I understand. We're good. Keep going. All right. Um, and I actually found others of of the practice, of the craft, as, okay. as it's called. It's called the craft. And it has nothing to do with that horrible movie. But... <laughs> <laughs> But continue. But um, we're not judging you. You're fine. I, I know. I know. But um, and I found camaraderie and fellowship and brotherhood and sisterhood through the military more than any faith. Oh, I mean, that's tr- I think that's true for a lot of soldiers. I mean, don't you? It, uh, it, oh yeah. And um, I've never read the book. But there was a book mentioned once or twice to me. Um, there's no atheists in foxholes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and as someone that's been in that position, I believe that it, when you, when you're in that kind of high stress environment and doing yeah. what we were doing over there, you hear you hear people. Pray or, oh, yeah. or chant or or whatever. Sure, but even to the even to the point, uh, you know, the no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Sometimes people's gods are themselves, and and you know, and the same you know the same people you know who say I don't believe in a god or a higher power. They're the ones you know psyching themselves up in that foxhole, ready to take a hill, you know, because they think that. You know that they're the Almighty. You know, and yeah. I mean, and, and I've seen it. You've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, throughout our military careers, it, it, it's, it's part of it. And so this is what we're really talking about. Is we all believe in something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either ourself or it's some higher power than us, right? Right. So yeah, completely agree with that. So, uh, my experience with the chaplains, um, I had one chaplain that was just totally and utterly confused and baffled by anybody that wasn't Christian <laughs> or of a Judo Judaic Christian faith. Okay. Alright. So to so to where he wouldn't understand their practices or he would denigrate their practices or, or he he did, just didn't understand like Okay. I just need a ten by ten room sure. that I can burn a candle in. Okay. Right. And he was like, "Why?" Yeah. No, okay. Fair I enough. can't tell you why because. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, um, but he just and then I had a bunch of chaplains. Now we would rotate chaplains about every two years. That's about right. So in over a twelve-year period, I've had six to eight different chaplains, right. plus visiting chaplains and things like that. So, but um, I had a bunch of chaplains that were just like. I don't know what you need, but I'll help you as best as I can. Right. And then um, I had this one really good chaplain. Uh, I can't remember if his name was Matt or Chris, but that's all I, you know, I couldn't even remember. I want to say his name was Chris. He, um, he was like, look, I need to know what you need, what you want. Where you want it, right? And how long you're going to need it? 
And I was like, why? Why yeah. do you why do you need need all this? Yeah. He goes, Well, because that's what we need of everybody. Right. And I was like, Well, wait, wait a minute. You're you're giving us a fair shake here? Right. And he was like, Absolutely. Yeah. And he was one of the more progressive chaplains on the base and mm. in the in theater. So, so for you, what matters, and this is the theme that I'm hearing throughout your story, um, is you want to feel when you go in, when you're talking and interacting with, with Christians and other Christians, because you are, you know, I you am say, not, yes. yes, you are now a Christian, but when you interact with other Christians and you interact with churches and you interact with religious people, you want a sense of belonging. You want you you want to be on the same level. At you, you don't want to be looked down upon, nor do you want to be lifted up. Uh, oh, definitely don't want to be lifted right. up. So what I'm hearing from you is, you know, my guess is, had you grown up in a system where where they looked at you as a human being, an equal human being, rather than a problem, mm-hmm. rather than uh, you know a, a confusing. Uh, confusing uh, mystical person, you know, um, you know, you would have been more open to at least having a relationship yes. with these people, even if you know, you would have diverged anyway. Right. right? Is that is that is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, look, 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 let's you know, call tomato a tomato, and let's be honest here. Regardless of anybody's faith, they're drawn to that faith for a sense of. Fellowship, camaraderie, brother, sisterhood, and a need for spiritual guidance and a want to learn. Yeah, I mean, I, I would prob- probably a bunch of other stuff that I'm. I mean, I would probably say that what draws people into religion is, you know, either family obligation, um, but that sense of community. But for a large portion of us, um. It it is that deep seeking and worshiping of God, and it's the community that keeps us. Community is vital. Don't get me wrong. I got, right. I, I I I believe wholeheartedly um, that um, religion is meant for community. That Christianity was created, um, you know, for community. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean. I'm not. Never mind. I'm not going to try to quote that because I'm horrible at quoting scripture. Oh no! Quote. Quote away. I I, away. I couldn't even tell you what book or verse or whatnot. I was just as soon as you said that, I was reminded of when Jesus fed everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's a that. Yeah, you nailed it. Good job. <laughs> you were trying to quote three words. <laughs> well, no, I was going to be a little bit more in depth, and I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not the biblical scholar. I'm the historical scholar, not the biblical scholar. Now, look, I mean, you're right. Jesus, Jesus taught community, uh, and and when when I mean, he, the man even ate dinner with somebody that he knew was going to betray him. Yeah, mind you, he and didn't technically know who it was, but yeah, he no, he knew. Did he not? Yes, I, he knew. Okay, I couldn't remember if he knew or if he just knew what they were going to do to be. No, Jesus knew exactly who it was who was going to betray him. Okay. He knew it. He knew it when he called him to be his disciple. But that was the one that God has said, you know, that God had mm. said, told you this is going to be the one who fulfills that part of the promise, right? Of could sending you imagine, to the cross. Could yeah. you imagine inviting someone, meeting someone, and knowing they're going to betray you to your death, and then six months, a couple years later, and 
before you that actually happens sitting down and having dinner with them in your house i mean don't you don't don't you think though um that that's what someone like abraham lincoln did because abraham lincoln was famous for getting both sides of the party on his cabinet and, you know yeah, but... and and knowing that given the first opportunity these people who disagreed with him would uh you know would uh would do something to try to betray his his uh his direction and his you know whatever and as a matter of fact that's what happened you know his vice president became president and you know and tried to uh fix uh, fix quote unquote uh couple, did. yeah a couple of things that Abraham Lincoln rectified you know so i i think that i think that's a very christian thing to do i mean i think we all do it i mean we all have to to a certain degree work with those that we know will eventually betray us or talk behind our back or whatever. And, and as we discussed when we very, the very first day we met, mm-hmm. there, there's one commandment or rule, law, guiding principle that I don't think I could ever conform to, mm-hmm. which is love thy enemy. Right, right. And that is a hard one, but a crucial one for Christianity. Yeah, and I understand that, and I yeah. try, but yeah, it's I get it. We're not here to talk about that part of it, right? right. And, right, and, right. and I want to, I, you know, and I know I could talk to you about this for another hour, right? All right, uh, but I wanted since we're bringing up, you know, how you and I met and those kind of things. Let let let's talk about um, your most recent, uh, you know, when you came back to Christianity, uh, and you know. Uh, when you accepted Christ and got, you know, all those things. Just talk about your church experience there. So, I mean, I, I woke up one morning, one Sunday morning, decided to go to church. And oddly enough, the first church I went to, they were in the middle of service. I was like, oh, well, I'll drive out to this other one I heard about. So I drove out to this other church. <laughs> and um, I walk in, and there's a couple people in the reception area, and I was like, is service happening already? They're like, yeah, yeah, that's just first service. We have a second service at such and such time. Feel free to hang out, yada, yada, yada. Yep. You know, my name's so-and-so, my name's so-and-so. I forgot her name, but she's about this tall. A lot of white hair used to be the door greeter. Oh, good golly. Who might, I, I mean, that could be a lot of people in it. She was the door greeter forever. Oh, oh, I know who you're talking about. We're not going to mention names, but, but I know who you're talking about. Okay, let me... Matter of fact, she was one of the ones that gr- greeted me at the door when I come in. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're talking about. Um, so I hung out. First service ends, everybody comes out. Second service starts, everybody goes in. Well, everybody goes in, then second service starts. However you want to word that. Second service started. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's this young pastor there who I'm hard of hearing deaf and um i was not wearing my hearing aids that day and i did not need to wear my hearing aids that day and not because of the sound system was so good but just because this preacher's voice this pastor's voice carried so well in the auditorium uh, look it's gonna be hard for me not to respond to this uh uh (laughs) yeah he's talking about uh a church that at which i was preaching at the time 
uh, and you know, and and it was it was me. I'm the loud one. I'm, it's a it's a running joke between him. Yes, and I. it really is. It really. Matter is. of fact, I'm not wearing my hearing aids right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't either if I were you. you yeah, know? yeah. But, so anyway, um, anyway, you, you heard this uh, this orator of orators, right? I won't go that way. <laughs> I heard this really loud dude. <laughs> this really loud guy. <laughs> All right, go ahead. And. I come up to him, I go, I come up to you, and, you know, we started talking, and I was like, look, I, I agree with everything you said, had to say today, except for this one point. <laughs> one point, yep. And it was the love thy enemy point, mm-hmm. and you was like, bro, I would love to talk to you, I'd love to keep talking to you, but I have prior commitments. If you want to talk to me, give me a call, I'll drop everything, here's my phone number, All right? And that was Sunday, and then a couple days later, I was like... I wonder how how truthful he would be when he said he'd just drop everything and yeah. meet with me. So I call him up, and he was like, "Yeah, come on down." And it was Memorial Day, right? And <laughs> that was the Memorial Day service. Yeah. So the so the you call me on Memorial Day, and you're like, "Hey, let's 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 get together." And I was like, "All right, I told you I would drop everything. <laughs> I, I dropped everything." There, there's one point of contention. I do not call anyone bro. All right, that's it's whatever. Uh, like, like people are gonna think like I'm some, you know, like I'm some, you know, uh, hippie surfer dude. No, no, that's that's an old stereotype. No, like, like you know, the bite guy, me, huh? You said that's an old stereotype. stereotype. Well, you're old, Nick. And what do you want from me, man? You got more gray hair than me. So uh, where, do you, where are you getting at, kettle? That's, that's stress. That's where I'm getting. <laughs> I think I'm going to get a couple extra by the time this podcast is over. Uh, <laughs> oh. But no, I mean, look. Uh, you know, that was a great conversation on Sunday. I mean, we talked for about like I think it was half hour, forty five minutes after service. Uh, yeah. About about half. And hour. like my wife and kids were like, "We need to go." Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, Heather and children, if you're if you're listening, I did not know that that you it was you guys that he was waiting or that were waiting on yeah. him. I apologize for that. No, see, my, this is how awesome my family is, though. I mean, my wife especially. Um, she ministry comes first, I mean, and not, what I mean by that is not that what I do at the church is more important than my family, but when sal- when salvation and that was the case at mm-hmm. your time, you know, when salvation is uh, is uh, being talked about, everything else stops because for us as a family, uh, and I believe this should be for every Christian, um, you know, salvation conversations need that need to take precedent over anything in any any other conversation or any other thing that's going on. So if you have somebody who's willing to listen, you stop everything and you talk, right? Lord knows you can talk. I can talk. I can but, talk. Um, and then from there on out, I just started becoming a relatively active member in the church, mm-hmm. um, volunteered my time. Uh, actually, eventually started working for the church as a maintenance man, and it was shortly after I left a position of maintenance man that I stopped coming Right. And part of that was due to the fact that it's weird going to a church and having to listen to your former boss. Fair. And part of that was um, even in the, the, the small family groups and the small home groups and things like that, I always felt like an outsider. Yeah, and that's really what I want to focus on, you know, um, because like 
we hear a lot of times at this church, like, you know, um, it's hard for me to get in. It's hard for me to to fit into the groups, right? Uh, and this is from people who share a similar mentality, um, lifestyle, and past that you have, okay? But they don't. They didn't try as hard as you have, okay? Right? And and, and this is this is this is the the question, right? This is where I'm getting at. You did everything, in my opinion. Um, that one should do it it, it it didn't make any sense to me mm-hmm. you know why um why you weren't connecting because um you know you had people calling you had you had you had a home group you were in sunday school you know uh you were doing everything that a regular committed member church of- member would do mm-hmm and yeah, it just wasn't clicking for you. So, okay, now I'm going to be a little harsh here. Please do. That's uh, why we're doing this podcast. Uh, no, on it, it, on that particular church's community. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, it was hard for me to fit in on multiple reasons. Uh-huh. One, I was an active duty combat veteran. Yeah. All right, there was very... I think there was one, maybe two other people that could even remotely associate with what I was going through. Yeah, fair. Um, And what I mean by what I was going through and what I'm currently going through, uh, just for those listening, I've been diagnosed with severe chronic post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, That diagnosis was given to me back in... The original diagnosis was given to me back in 2004, and then again in 2010, when they medically discharged me from the military for it. So, so th- this is th- th- this is a story that our audience would be familiar with, not yours, but uh, in particular. Uh, but uh, if 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 you remember listening to the PTSD uh, podcast that we did last season, and if you haven't listened to it yet, season two, it's on the website. Yada yada yada. Just go check it out. Um, but I mentioned that I had a good friend uh, call me out uh, about getting checked out for my PTSD and how I thought he was an idiot, uh, you know, um, and how he was he was he was completely wrong and he ended up being right. Well, that was Nick. Nick was the one who called me out uh, on my PTSD, and and so I'm very thankful, um, you know, uh, for that, uh, you know. So that's just the kind of person you are, man, and that, and, I, and I appreciate it. But anyway, we digress. Continue. Side note, I didn't really do it for you. I did it for Heather. Uh, well, I think everyone should do everything for me for Heather. Right. <laughs> for Heather's benefit, right? Yeah. yeah. So. But so there there was the I couldn't I couldn't connect to anybody on that. Yes, there were some there were some veterans at the church and things like that. But none of them I couldn't even relate to even veteran-wise. Right. Um then, you know, at the time, I was a two-time divorcee with three kids. Um, this was a fair, was, the church was super family, close-knit. You know, there, there, there was like four or five families, and a person from each family was married to a person from one of the other families. Not inbred in, the, in that manner of speaking, but it was just like, 
There that, was some that was, extended relations. It was just perception. It, it really was because there's more than just, there. There was more than just that at that particular. But that was the perception that, that right. it gave off, and I understand what you're saying there. Um, you know, um, and while people were trying to be understanding of the PTSD, I would still get a lot of side eye and a lot of that's a wounded animal look. Those are the worst. Um, and. It's, it's always bothered me to get the wounded animal look because people don't realize they're doing it or they either they realize they're doing it but don't realize that those of us with PTSD know exactly what that look looks like. Yep. You know. Um, so these, these uh, perceptions kept building. Yeah. And yeah. it was... And just finally I was like... I, I'm not going back. So, with where you were at spiritually, you know, you were at a really good spot. You know, when, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you you were reading your Bible. You were asking great questions. Um, you know, praying. You're I don't ask good questions anymore. No, I'm just saying at the time you were. You know, you know, I, I was surprised too that you were capable of asking intelligent questions. But, um, <laughs> dude, if you're gonna open the door, you're gonna expect me to kick it wide open. Anyway, um, so you know, you're at a good spot, and a lot of Christians in your in your um, predicament. Predi- yeah, thank you, predicament. I was about to say the same thing as soon as you said it. Uh, would have just found another church. And it was pulling teeth every time we talked about getting you back into church. What happened? Why Why didn't you want to try a, a different church? And I'm not asking that accusatorily because I, got, I know my tone is sounding that right now. Okay, so... I'm asking because I just... I want to know. <sighs> So the best way to put it, yeah, right, is how many times do you stick your hand on the live wire before you stop touching the live wire? I uh, fair, but that so so being looked at mm-hmm. and receiving that kind of perception mm-hmm. from the members of the church mm-hmm. is the live wire. I I, I get that. So it, it, it's. And I mean, I I've been to churches. Yeah, not not since I've left the last one, but I've been to churches and I've talked to other pastors mm-hmm. and preachers right. and priests and things like that. And if you're not in, you're not in. Explain that a little bit more. If you're if you weren't raised in the church, if you weren't a member of the, if if you weren't a family member of somebody in the church, if you weren't, you know, if you and your spouse both didn't come to church, you know, things like that, you you just. But and, and this is where I think where the rubber meets the road here in this conversation because sometimes perception is right. Sometimes that's what that's the cards you're being dealt, and that's you know that's the culture of the church, and yada 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 yada. But there's often times where perception is not reality, you True. know, because uh, in these things that you're saying, I mean, like there were plenty of people in that church 
who whose spouse didn't come. There, there were plenty of people in, in that church who had dysfunction. There, there's, yes. You, you know, and, and yes, so I'm, yes. But, but, but the difference between them and me uh-huh. is I had one person reaching out to me. Fair. I had one one person encouraging me. I had one person having conversations with me. That one person was the same person for each of those incidences. I push back on that because I know you were getting phone calls from other people in that church. And I'm not trying to work this out between us because No, this... no, no, no. I do Yeah. Somebody Somebody would call me uh-huh. to, I'm putting quotes around this for those of you at home, to check up on me uh-huh. and then vent to me about themselves. Okay, fair. Yeah. You know. Um, so it wasn't the kind of give and take that you were looking for. You know, the two-way, it was more of a one-way than a two-way relationship. So. Mm-hmm. And... So it was transactional, not friendship. Yes, very much so. And, and so, so okay. I mean, none of none of those people mm-hmm. would I have ever invited, yeah, to my wedding. Let okay. alone ask them to preside over it. Okay. Yeah, sure. That's fair. So, um, as we kind of, you know, start getting past the story and now to the lessons learned, mm-hmm. right? Um, is there a church scenario or a church culture that Nick Duncan would be interested in going to? Is there a, is there a fix to your perceived issues? <sighs> I don't know. So let's say... Okay, the reason why I say I don't know... Okay. ...is I'm 42 years old. I've been to several different churches of several different faiths and denominations and things of that nature. And it's... They're all the same. Relatively speaking, just to boil it down real quick, just to keep the conversation... Now, culturally, they're probably... You know, because you're in... Indiana or in, you know, it, it represents, in the yeah, it represents the culture in which you've lived. Right. And I understand that. So. But let's say, just for argument's sake, that you found a church that wasn't just welcoming, but wanted you in the friendship circle. That instead of just getting one call the way that you got those calls, mm-hmm. that you were getting multiple calls. Or that you were having, you had that you were you had discovered a circle of of friends that you could influence that in conflu- that could also influence you. Would would you that would, that we get together on uh, you know Saturdays? live life together? You live life together, yes, and then worship yes, together, yes, yes. So if there was a church, and I I I have a a small group of really good four friends that I went to Iraq and Afghanistan with. Mm -hmm. If there was a church 
that gave me, and I, I know that sounds selfish, but we're talking about me here. <laughs> <laughs> All humans are selfish at certain points. If there was things. a church that gave me the sense of brotherhood and camaraderie and friendship and fellowship and I have your back and you have my back, as much as my four friends do, yeah. Then yes, they're, they're, okay. Yes, yes. So let me ask you this then, because the camaraderie that one gets from combat is—I mean, it's pretty strong. Yes, yes, yes. Hard to replicate. It's—it's—it it, it, it wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's impossible. Okay, but it is hard to replicate. Well, I mean, you, how and, does, I, you and I have that camaraderie. Okay, so how that, then? What did I do? And, and, and I'm not saying this so you can, you know, make my head any bigger than it currently is. But I, I, I don't know what what did I do that gave you that sense of camaraderie that the church could copy. You were there. You were just there, and you listened, and you didn't degrade me or down talk. Talk down to me. You, you know, you made it very apparent that if I said, Larry, I need this from you, you would do what you could to provide that for me. Okay. Um, you know. So it's treating you like an equal. Well, not only is an equal, but like, like my four friends. Yeah. The oldest one, uh, one of my friends' daughters got married a couple years ago. Okay. Um, when I met the groomsman, or the groom, excuse me, my friend, and my, fr- my friend, the father of the young girl, introduced me to him. Yeah. She didn't, her father did. And he walked right up and said, this is Nick, one of the uncles. Right. Yeah. You know, that dude knew at that point in time that if... If anything were to happen, y'all would take care of it. Exactly. That's the way to put that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that. And so you want yes. that kind of, I'm going to fight for you. You're going to fight for me. We're going to stand up for each other. We're in this together. We're going to fight the good fight together. You know, if you called me, and dear God, please never let this happen... But if you called me and said, Nick, I need you to look over five of my six kids for the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I live on the other side of town, Larry. I'll be there in 45 minutes. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. You know? I never got that sense from anybody else. How does one, how does one give that sense? I mean, you know, I, yeah. I understand. Like, I, I'm there. I, I get that. You know, like. You have it for me. I have it for you. It's just... But on a large scale of a church of 400, 500, 600, 700 people, okay? Or even 1 to 200, you can't expect everybody. No. So so how does a church culture... So what's the percentage? What's the percentage? I don't know. You tell me. So the the current percentage based off of your 500 Uh is what? One five hundredth of a percent. That's the current standard. Yeah, but we want it up, right? Right. So we so we want to up that. So I'm not saying you have to be 
super comrades with, you know, out of a church of 200 people, yeah. all 200 of them. Right. Of them. But it's nicer than it would be better to be, you know, have a group of five to 15. Okay. So, so how does a church then create a culture that allows that to happen? I've been thinking about that. Yeah. And I don't think a church can. I would disagree. Well, no, no. I, I'm saying, I'm saying, you, <laughs> I'm saying, you cannot put policies and, not, and, and, and and rules and things like that into mm-hmm. precedent. I'm not talking about policies. I'm not talking about rules. What I'm talking about is is uh, is forming a culture, uh, a, a heart within the congregation that allows every person the benefit of the doubt. That treats them. That treats them uh, as if they're no different. Like when we were in the military, when you walked into a chapel, mm-hmm. rank disappeared. Yep. There was no such thing as colonels. There was no such thing as privates. They were all equals. And to the colonel's credit, uh, they adhered to that rule. They were able to switch their mindset. And say, in this space, I am no better than that private. Right? Uh, and, and I think a church. You, said, you just nailed it. Yeah. You okay. just nailed it. All right, go ahead. In this space. Yeah. Or in this setting. Yeah. I am no better than. Right. That's the first thing you've got to teach. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. This is, what the, this is what I think the church can do. The church can have the mentality that whether you come in stinking like you came from a bar, or whether you come in stumbling stoned, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, whatever your sin is, or whatever your struggle is, or whatever your whatever is, mm-hmm. that when you walk into the doors of the church, you're treated like family. And, and not the weird uncle that comes over for Thanksgiving that nobody talks to. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about you treat them like the aunt everybody loves. Right, right. You know, the right. one that so, everybody wants attention. <laughs> right, attention. So of. here's the thing, though. Unfortunately, so a CV battalion is six hundred strong. Okay. Right. So out of that six hundred people, I had close ties to. At the time, it was five. Mm-hmm. Other people, mm-hmm. one of them died. So okay, almost one percent. Almost one percent. Almost one percent. Pretty much one percent. But you know, and everybody asked me, well, "Would you ever go back to battalion life?" Yeah. If those four or five people were there, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know. So you want that that's that community that you know that no matter what time of day it is, whatever you need. You're there, or they're there to help you, and whatever they need, you know, they're, uh, you're there to help them, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I get that, man. And so, like, but see, you, you can't, you can't teach that. No, but you can form promote that. it. Well, you, you can, can promote, promote it, but, but God can. And and this yes, is the thing: God can change and transform any person. True. To be, uh, to be, uh, to live with the kind of heart 
that is needed for what we're talking about, right? The pastor's job or the church, the leadership's job of the church mm-hmm. is, is to teach people how to submit to, them, uh, to submit to God, to give up themselves so that they can be transformed by Christ. And so, so in my in my mind as a pastor, and really what we're working towards, because the last episode of this season will be, uh, you know, lessons learned, mm-hmm. um, and, and what we can be doing uh, as a church at Cornerstone to um, to help people like you and other unchurched people in our community feel like this is a place where you can come to, not just you know sit in the pew but to belong. We want that, I want that camaraderie. I think our church would love that camaraderie, you know? Um, and, and I think that's what we're working towards. I would like to see that. Yeah. And, I mean, I very much hope that it succeeds. Yeah. It would be nice to, to have that kind of environment somewhere Right, right. Within the religious community. Yeah. You know, um, all the issues that I've brought up are not just an issue for the previous church. Yeah, it's for, obviously this is a uh, global church, or at least Western church issue. Right. You know, um, yeah. You know, and part of the way to change I one of the ways that I see helping people change their outlook or or perception is you also got to teach people that key concept we just spoke about. I'm no better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That has to not be just taught, but it has to be internalized. You know. That's just that's just how it goes. I mean, it has to it has to be received and acted out, uh, and that's what I can't teach. I ha- you know, uh, God can only do that work within the person, right? You know, uh, we're only responsible as a leadership to put the information to the people, in hopes that they receive it and allow God to to act it out. You know, this is I don't I I don't want to say this to me being humble. Or, or whatnot, but when I come back from both my tours in Iraq, mm-hmm. um, it used to weird me out that people would thank me. Oh yeah, for going over there. Mm-hmm. Still does to me. I mean, uh, occasionally I'm thrown off guard. But yeah, right. that, But now I've got better at you know expressing. Oh well, thank you for your, for your support. Right. But um. I never liked the term hero. Nope. Because that makes me sound like I'm better than the next person. Exactly. Um, I don't even... I've never even let my kids... Yeah. Call me a hero. <laughs> my kids never had that problem. <laughs> go, sorry, go ahead. You know? Yeah. So, it's... No matter how well off you are, mm-hmm. or how bad off you are, yeah, 
you have to remember you're not better than the person sitting next to you. Nor are you worse. And, and, and I mean, and that, so it's a two-way street here. We all, when we walk into these doors, we're equal. And, and, and the thing that I would say is that that carries everywhere we go because the church is not contained within these four walls. The church is, and we have to end it here, but the church is, uh, you know, is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and that means that the way I act in this place is how I should act in every place. Mm-hmm. And, and if I'm no better than the person next to me here, I'm no better than anybody anywhere. The only difference I have is that I got Jesus and some people don't. Exactly. Right? And my job is to help them get Jesus too. Right? So – uh, Nick, I, I man, I, I love this conversation. I, it's always funny. Like this is my fourth one for the season, recording wise, uh, and I'm like, okay, how am I going to last a whole hour? And not a problem at all. Yeah, I mean, you and I together, we could talk about a topic for a day. Oh, we could. Yeah, just sitting around and just talking. Yeah. So I appreciate you coming in. Not a problem. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, if uh, if we if you do go back to a church and you end up you know trying something out. And, and works i would love for you to come back on the podcast and say here's what i experienced you know and, and that's not a challenge that's just to say you know i i i know you are prayerfully considering these kind of things i am considering just just so everybody is aware um larry and i have a really hard time and we have to we have to state whether something's a challenge or not a challenge yeah, yeah, yeah right yep because if we challenge each other to do something then it's that's it. We we've got to do it. Yeah, and and I want something authentic, not I have to go. <laughs> um. So, all right, man. Nick, once again, man, thank you for the conversation. Um, if, if you as a listener are interested in uh, coming to our church, uh, you can find information for us on the web, uh, cornerstonerock.org. If you have questions, you can email me, Larry at cornerstonerock.org. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, usually the handle is at CCC Brownsburg um, or you can just come to a worship service we uh, we have one every Sunday at 9 and 10.30 we have Sunday school both hours so there's something for everybody um, if you want to come come find me let me know that you're a listener of the podcast uh, I would love to talk to you a little bit more about that alright well that that will do it uh, for the Coffee and Conversation podcast peace, love, and soul wow, wow, wow.